0: blog
1: talk radio Good morning folks, welcome to the post Labor Day Chud morning screw. You guys hear that that British woman at the beginning, blog talk radio. I cannot listen to that voice and, and not wonder what her vagina looks like. I don't know. Do you have the same thing where you're just like, God, I want to know how does she piece that shit together? She's got such a hot voice, and it's true. If you're if you're a woman and you have a British accent, you get a little bit of extra play, and people wonder what your vagina is sculpted like, inside and out. So, my name's Nick Nunziata. We are uh, here on the uh, on a Tuesday, our third week in a row. We pulled this nightmare off, 60 minute show, uh, total total ex- example of how show business is uh, professional. Uh, concise loaded with uh, very important information and uh, really feeling the pulse of what's going on We have a film that is number one in the box office that is a, a sneaky sneaky movie I'm writing an editorial about it now but I'll tease that uh, we got a film that came in second that is a throwback that uh, is definitely getting a mixed response but something I found to be definitely worth the time and uh, prior to this uh, this podcast beginning I got off a one-hour call with uh, a bunch of other pseudo-journalists like myself uh, talking to the esteemed Donald Logue uh, about his new show, Terriers, which uh, starts tomorrow, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. First, I'm going to go ahead and take a call since it's so rare that they happen. I've got somebody waiting from the 850 area code. Let's see who this person is and what they want. How you doing there? Hey, what's happening, Nick? Who's this? This is Andrew from Destin. Oh, cool. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I'll be in your town next month. Ah, oh, next no, sure Are You going to the Red Room? I'm going to the is it Red Bar or Red Room. The Red
2: Bar. The Red Bar. Yeah,
1: yeah. I am definitely going to the Red Bar. Um, I actually, I don't know the dates exactly, but we're going there for a long weekend to play golf and play cards and you know have a good time. And uh, I want to. I'm glad that you called because I, I definitely want to. Uh, if you if you have the moment, catch up, say hello.
2: Yeah. I'm all about it. That's pretty much why I called in was because I wanted to see. What's going on in the Chud world, and if you guys have anything coming up, even up in Atlanta, because that Scott Pilgrim, Edgar Wright, and crew was great coverage.
1: Oh, Did you come up for that or, or no?
2: I had to check it from down here on the okay. website. But oh, well, if I had been able to, I would have been all over it.
1: I'll tell you, um, I'm working on a few things, some big, some small. Um I don't know if they're going to be taking place here in Atlanta. I know that we're going to be having some great guests on this show in the near future, but that's not going to be live. That's going to be over the phone. Um, we're going to be doing something special for that Exorcist screening on September 20th at one of the theaters here in town. I'm trying to get some good stuff together for that. But other than that, there are a few things that we're working on, I'm hoping that I could start talking about that in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. and, and, as, and as far as the coverage, you know, uh, we're going to be... Um, I mean, with having our own office and having Ren here and having some new people coming in, we're going to be able to do a lot more fun stuff like that and give, give people what they deserve. So, uh, yeah, some good stuff coming up, I think.
2: Yeah, I know uh, you guys are going through a lot of changes. Uh, Kevin Faraci's gone, but I'm glad to hear that you're starting to take the rings on editorials and reviews and steer shut into the direction that it's uh, going to be getting
1: bigger and better. I think so. I I mean, there's going to be people that are pissed off. Are you getting run over? Because that would suck. (laughs) I'm actually at work. I'm uh, backing
2: a few people out, because we're about to go and run a 600-pair copper cable into a nice, tight, almost British-like conduit. Okay. That that lady has to be so well-sculpted, you know.
1: Well, what I understand is that Shud is number one amongst forklift operators on the Internet, so that's... (laughs) <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Exactly. Um yeah, no Devin is gone and he's moving on to greener pastures and and uh and and he's been great for Chud, but uh yeah, we're going to be doing it a little bit differently now and I'm definitely full on uh you know, so and and uh so yeah, for better or worse. Some people will 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 find it a step backwards, some people will find it uh, delightful. So we'll see what happens. But uh have you uh before I, before I let you go, lay pipe. Um, yeah. Is there any? Uh, have you seen any films lately uh, in the theater yeah. or on video? Anything that sticks out? What you got?
2: I just did a double feature this weekend of Scott Pilgrim and
1: Machete. That's Scott Pilgrim just about to break. I think 30 million. Scott Pilgrim, that block blockbuster. Um, so tell <laughs> me what you thought. What you think of the films?
2: You know what? I dig the hell out of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, that was round three watching it. Uh, oh, yes. I think the performances are fucking great. I am very glad to see Edgar Wright just going full force. Uh, watching his films and his work with, you uh, know, Nick and, uh, Simon Pegg are great and everything, but this one kind of had that generation appeal for everybody who's grown up playing video games, listened to grunge, and been a fan of progressive and alternative rock. And the material is just so sick. The uh, flow of the story, the direction, is fantastic. And then Machete was probably the best fucking Jeff Beatty thing I've ever seen.
1: Well, that's not really that's not really a highly com- com- <laughs> you know competitive you know demographic. But yeah, I agree. Say he was on fire. The guy I want him to I want him to get every role that they offer Harrison Ford now.
2: Hell yeah. Like the lawnmower man was, I think, the arc of his career prior to this and then he had a couple of cool blips with Lost and Grindhouse which right. I did kinda I did kinda like Planet Terror. But um you know, the surprising stuff about Machete was uh, the fact that De Niro was so awkwardly used, and Michelle or Rodriguez was definitely hot and good know. to go on the acting side, and Lindsay Lohan, too, but yeah, the movie was great.
1: I dug it. Yeah, you. Yeah, know, you know what's funny about, uh, you know, Fahey is, you know, Lost did a big thing for him because I liked him, but uh, the kind of like I had for him was almost like a, an ironic like you know, sure. but Lost Lost was straight, like that guy, it wasn't kitsch, it wasn't stunt casting, it was just a real actor and a real part, and, and he pulled it off, and that's kind of like what, what, what I love about Machete is that, yeah, it's, it's a silly movie, but he is dead serious, and, and you're not laughing at the fact it's Jeff Vahey in the movie, which I, which I can't say has always been the case with me. Sometimes I was right. liking him in a movie because, ha ha ha, it's Jeff Vahey, but now I'm just like, damn, this guy's really good. And, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of people are, are, are giving, um, you know, talk about Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Edgar and, and how, like, um, you know, how, how they want to see them work together and all that. But the, the, the plain yeah. truth of it is is those two guys are actors first and foremost. And, right. you know, Edgar's commitment to a film is years longer than theirs. So, so what people get to see, those guys bounce all over the place. And, and it kind of you know, people don't give Edgar kind of the credit or they they, he, they tie him too closely to those other guys. And I sure. think what Scott Pilgrim did was, first of all, yeah, he, he gets to bask in his own light. And sure, the film isn't a hit, but there's no denying it is a tour de force for a director. Um, but I think it also kind of, um, I think it's opened up the book in terms of, you know, now now he's not just a funny guy, he's not just the, uh, the British guy, I mean, he really can do anything. Right. And, 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 I'd hate to think that anybody in power looks at this as a weakness or a misstep for him because, um, you know, it's, I, you know I, still, I still am 100% confident that when, they, when it's all said and done, the film's going to be way, way in the black. And oh, that yeah, is a no, racial comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, it's awkward that none of the leading or supporting characters in the film are black. Well, let's oh, face
1: it, black people are a bit overrated.
2: Wow! (laughs) serious! No, Edgar Wright is a fantastic director, he's an amazing visionary, Scott Pilgrim fucking proves it, and one thing that I absolutely love about it is the soundtrack, because his work with Nigel Godrich on it is fucking superb, and even his stuff on uh, Trailers from Hell shows you how much of a commitment Edgar Wright has to film in itself, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh Phil uh just sent me a, a note saying that Fahey was good in Psycho three and I have to give him credit for that. He is right. He was legitimately good in Psycho Three. The only good thing about Psycho three, I might say. <laughs> uh, um hey, um, I've got en- I'm gonna i I'm gonna pull another caller into the fray. You wanna hang around or should oh, I let you go? You can, you
2: can hang come around? On. We gotta go do this job. Right, well, you I you... would definitely like to touch base when you're down in
1: Destin. Right on. Well, well uh, you take care and don't get yourself hurt. Uh, I, I don't want a Vic Morrow situation down there in Destin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, take care. See <laughs> hey,
3: ya.
1: Yeah. All right. We got somebody from the two one three. How you doing there? No, really. How you doing there? I blame Blog Talk Radio. Let's try this one more time. Clickety click. You there, sir? Can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can. Terrific. What a great piece of technology this program is. Who's this? Yes, beautiful. This is Javier Banjam. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Well, you're not really calling from the two three. This is some sham. This is, this is, the, this, is this the. Is this the webmaster for LastExorcismFans.org? It is. Yes, exactly. And 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 now that it's been out for a couple of weeks, we can totally spoil it. So I'm thrilled. So you went and saw it. Yes. If, if, if anyone you, if, if anyone's listening, we're going to spoil the shit out of the movie. So. Well. which is fine if you, I mean if people haven't seen it by now they're not they're not you know committed enough anyway and honestly it's not really the spoiler of the mill it doesn't change whether the film's worth seeing or not you know if you know the ending so you seem to have been very invested in the movie for the bulk of the running time and then felt cheated at the end is that correct
0: I didn't I wouldn't call it very invested but I thought it was really effective and well made and I really like the story I mean Cotton as a central character really works for me Right. That even up, even before the ending, I thought the film was really you know lacking a few scares. If you really count them, the really scary the scary parts are three or four. There are only ten minutes of scary stuff in the film tops. Maybe, and yeah. that's where yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's really not that that of a scary film. It's it's a, it's a story that happens to have a, you know a possessed girl in it and a demon. But the, the scary stuff was left out, I don't know. And then the ending, it's not that I'm, I'm against, you know, baby demons or crazy shit like that at all. It's just that I felt that, in I mean, it didn't really was supported by the narrative that came before. I mean, to have, yeah, the the demon was there, the girl was clearly, you know, possessed, whatever. But to have the, the pastor from the local church turn out to be, a, you know, a, a demonic, Satan is cult leader, and they were delivering, you know, the demon babies. So it it turned out into you know Rosemary's Babies ending in five minutes, and I just didn't think the movie had earned it. That's all.
1: Um, I, here's the thing about about that, and and, and, I, and you have a very legitimate argument, and I think a lot of people's responses to the end of the film is an emotional one, um, and it, and it necessarily is no credit or fault of the filmmakers, and in, in, in why why. It gets that response. But what I loved about the film is that it is very little. There's very little scary stuff. And even the stuff that they try to make scary, I think they don't really mine those those scares all that well. But when this movie, you know, it's, it is a character piece. It's very well done. You're, you're interested. And, and, and then all of a sudden you have a moment where um, uh, they cut a baby out of a, of a woman and it's a demon and they throw it into the fire. That's really all I need in the movie. And 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 then when the, when the, when it actually you know purports that that this that this shit could be real and that there's some sort of beast that's being born into the fire or whatever, I love the big idea. I don't think they necessarily pull it off all that well because then it goes right into this Blair Witch running, running into danger kind exactly, of stuff. Yeah, I hated I hated that. I hated yeah, the last
0: two minutes. Just, just Blair Witch running through the woods and, and having people being killed. That I hated. Up uh, to the demon, I was maybe fine with it, but then it just. Hated
1: it in. <laughs> but but uh, it, you know it's it's a polarizing film, but it's it, it's interesting. I think I think one of the big problems of it is the marketing. I mean, they they really tried to make you think that this was some really dangerous and, and taboo and ultra ultra scary movie. And, and and actually, I think that in the past couple of weeks, we've had two movies that have completely coasted on a false marketing scheme that I love that they did it, because really, you have to get people into the theater, and if you're going to piss off 60% of them, so be it, um, but the thing is, and I'm using uh, the Last Exorcism and The American as an example, I think The American is going to, I mean, I, I went to the theater and saw it with a, you know, pretty big group of people, and I was one of the very few people who was happy coming out of, everybody else was furious, and uh, I love that, because if you piss off, like, 60% of the people, you get, like, Thirty percent of them are completely indifferent, and then you touch like five of them—five people that never would have seen like an art film before had to be coerced into going, you know, w- without knowing what it was. If those five people come out of it excited about more abstract, weird movies and all that, then it's kind of a win. So, I like that the—I like that they're that they're pulling pulling the right strings with us right now, because otherwise, you know, last last exorcism would be a direct-to-video movie that nobody knew about. I think.
0: Yeah, but I I agree with you that it was mismarked. Well, not mismarketed; It probably wasn't purpose. But just take the poster, for example. The poster is a very striking image of the girl, like, up in the ceiling, on on the corner of the roof, like, being, you know, possessed. And that's not even in the movie. So,
1: yeah. She does sit sit on an armoire.
0: Yeah, she does. Which is scarier to me. (laughs) Yeah, maybe <laughs> I, I did like the actors. I mean, the, the actors were, were good. The, they sold the concept. They sold characters. Not maybe Caleb, the you know the brother. Mm-hmm. As soon as he showed up, I knew that he was evil or something. Up when he's happy that he's a fake exorcist, exorcist whatever it's called, and because when he realizes that he's not really going to exorcise her, he gets happy because he knows that you know there's something wrong with her deeply or in real life, but I just can't buy, or
1: couldn't buy, at the time, the reveal of the local poster being, you
0: know... No, they didn't, didn't do a good job of building him
1: up. You see, I think you only see him in like one and a half scenes, and he's, and he's like, uh, he looks like Harris Yulin, and he's here to help but he's really not. You know, It would have been more convincing if Caleb or somebody else was, because you, you need at least the, the seed of evil or the, or the suspension of disbelief somehow, because that guy is just a, like a, a throwaway character in the scenes that they introduce him in, and he comes off totally as a somewhat nice guy who's trying to help and, you know, whatever. You know what, though, the scene with Caleb, the thing that's the, one of the scariest moments in the movie to me is very, near the beginning when Caleb kind of confronts him on the road and tells him to turn back, and then, you know, he gets a little, he throws the rocket. Rock rock. all that. Because the look in his eyes, I've seen that look. That's, a, I mean, that was a really kind of, you know, that I, I kind of thought the film was going to go towards real-life horror, just based on um, the fact that, you know, it was it was tr- it was going like against the grain of, of, of an exorcism movie. At least that's what I understood. And and, and, and you know, obviously that, those kind of people are real, and and that stuff's uh, just as scary, if not more scary, because it is feasible. And I was expecting something like that. That kid actually did a really good job there. Uh, in that movie, and and he, he, even though at the end I thought it was tacked on having him present there, and he didn't, he came off as kind of a flyweight. Um, there, there's the seeds for a lot of potentially cool stuff that they didn't take advantage of. But you know, the way I looked at it was, it, they did such a good job, an atypical job in telling an interesting story with good acting for the bulk of the movie that, you know, I don't, I don't know if there was a way they could have made it really all that effective, either way. No yeah and I, I, I agree. I mean for for what,
0: it's, for what it was in the scope of the film or the budget or whatever, did a good job. It's completely watchable. I just didn't think that since it was, it was built as a horror film and it has a really little horror on it or scary parts, and I just didn't feel While again, I have nothing against demon babies or you know <laughs> in general. I mean the more the more demon babies we have on film, the better. But I just didn't think that the film deserved, or not deserved, but it it took us a long path to expect that or to to earn having one demon baby at the end. And that is just three seconds, hey, here's a red blob that's a demon, on the fire, then you know, Cotton runs to the fire, and that's it. Then we get Blair Witch ending, which that's what I hated the most. Yeah. To me that we got a a little two more minutes with Cotton versus the demon, or some Sort of, you know, whatever. I think I would have liked it a little bit more. But it just ha- having it be on the sidelines, like, yeah, look, there's a huge demon that just came out, and it's gonna, you know, rip the earth, and you just go into blur which Route. That I didn't like at all.
1: Would you have liked the movie better if after the credits, um, uh, the camera, the te- the camera gets picked up on the ground, and then you see like somebody hastily turn it off, and then they turn it back on, and it's uh, it's at a it's in hell. And it's the Demon Babies first film. It's like my project. My <laughs> project.
0: Demon's yeah, babies just get the first steps of the Demon Babies. Yeah. Speaking, Speaking of Demon, Demon babies, babies a whole movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Demon Babies, I think Justin Waddell is on the phone.
2: Hey guys. It's Justin Waddell. Hey Justin.
1: Welcome to us. We're talking about the uh, the ending of Last Exorcism.
2: Uh, yeah, I was just talking about the movie during lunch. Why? I enjoyed it I enjoyed I have saying I really like the movie and then the people at lunch are saying that they heard it was crap
1: Not I think, your crap and now you're fired yeah well, the, the, well uh, how would you do you, how did you feel yeah. about the ending ending of the film there sir and, and Tati if you have to go because of you know I don't want you to get in trouble certainly let me know I uh, don't want to don't wanna hold you on here and get you uh, get you in trouble down there. Uh, I hear that they well, people not no, no. I
2: really the, enjoyed I really enjoyed the film. Uh, the ending threw me a little bit, but I I appreciate what they were trying to go for.
1: I'm not as much as that. it threw the baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I really think that's a it's a it's a really, really great build up and it's great characters in that movie. So I can forgive the ending. I think the ending like you, you point out to me that you really like that they at least try to go for some crazy shit. And, uh, you know, I guess that's the requirement of that film, you know, the whole interesting part of that film is that, you know, the whole time it could, it could be real or not. Like, it could be, she could be possessed or she could, you know, there could be some just family craziness going on. And at the end, you know, they decide for you what's going, what's really happening. But, I don't know, I guess you can't really have that movie and not really have an ending like that, I
1: think. Which is weird, because like Cloverfield, the whole thing of Cloverfield is that we find out at the end it's all it's all in our imagination. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, one thing that, that, that Justin mentions is that yeah, the movie takes you on a ride right, that it, it could be real or not. You know what? There's there's like ten minutes before the end, there's that fake ending where she confesses to be pregnant by this guy Logan, and they all go and it's all happy. I thought the movie was really going to end there, and I thought, whoa, the balls to, you know, publicize or market an exorcism movie and not have it be real and just end in a happy end like that. And I was actually more impressed with the film had it end there, you know, on a happy note. Like the, the girl was just, you know, having sex or pregnant and ashamed or whatever. But then he, started, he gave me the demon baby. And I don't know I don't know what to think. I, lo- I love demon well, babies, but I just didn't like yeah. it. In well, there's I mean, no but
1: is that a, ha- no that no a happy idea. ending? Yeah. Is it a happy ending that she's got to be stuck with that little... The little, uh, little fruity kid over at the uh, local restaurant? Is that happy? It's
2: not a happy ending, but it's, a, it's an interesting ending. But there's no way they would ever greenlight that film with that ending. You know what I'm saying? There's just no way. they they'd be I don't, like, think, I don't... Babies, you know? What if the crazy priest comes out? What if, you know, Beelzebub comes out with a sledgehammer? That's what they want,
1: that's what they want to see. They shot two endings to, to that movie, and they went with ending B. The original ending was... Um, uh, they throw the demon baby into the fire, and he burns, and, and they're like, oh, guess he wasn't a demon.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, um,
0: I, I well, really I, did enjoy, the, enjoy <laughs> speaking that. Of the demon, uh, <laughs> speaking of a demon, what was his name, Alabaster, or Alabaster, or something like that? It was some, something great. I it also think like, like, yeah. That I didn't like that, for example, when Caron is performing the fake exorcism, he just picks a random demon from the book. Like, hey, yeah, it's this guy who's terrorizing, defiling your daughter, whatever. He just made everything up. And then it turns out to be that exact demon. That's what I also didn't like. I, I well, okay, made, you know, a I demon. will
1: say this, but if you remember, the guy was very learned. He had done, a, I mean, he, since he was a kid, he had been learning about, uh, I mean, he really was a student. I mean, when he knew, you know, all you know, the Latin and all that. He had probably done the research and the research based on the, the stuff there. I mean, you you could sort of fake it and say, well, he knew he knew his shit. He knew it was fake, but he knew his shit left and right. But it would have been yeah, much scarier. He, it, he,
2: he, I mean, plus, it could have been where, you know, maybe the dad. I mean, if it was fake, maybe the because he sat with the dad in that scene, and maybe the dad told her, maybe the dad mentioned that demon to her, and then she. He remember the name. I mean it could have been a lot of different things, you know. Um, I don't think his name is Alistair though.
1: It was something that was, it was it, it was a name like that. It, it, was, it was it was a name that was a name. It'd be funny if it was Mark. Mark the demon. Oh shit, Mark Mark's Mark's after us.
2: You got the worst you got the worst demon on your tail. Chris
1: Chief <laughs> <laughs> Harmless Robert, the demon, is right after you. <laughs> did you... Uh, so how did, the, how did the movie perform down there? Or it, it, didn't,
0: it hasn't opened yet. I saw it at a, at a screening from a magazine. It opens on, on Thursday. Ah. But I can, tell, I can tell you the reactions of the people that I saw it with. And? Most, I'd say 90% were pissed off or didn't like it at all. Okay. Yeah, you we know, barely had a few scares. I like when people get pissed off it.
2: they're walking out they're all mad at the movie. What did we just see? is that what they're doing?
1: Damn it, I thought it was a movie yeah, about exorcism. Exactly. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah, I thought it was going to be scary or what was what, the demon
1: or what a piece of shit, what a waste of time. The funny thing is, most of saying. The is, Eli Roth is his name. He hasn't made any scary movies. His movies aren't scary.
2: You know I mean, what? they a waste of time. Let me let me be honest. You know it's a waste of time for those people's parents that have had sex and have had them. That was a fucking waste of time. What do you <laughs> think about that, Nick? <laughs>
1: God damn.
2: Unless <laughs> Patty didn't like it, then then I take it back because I I do like Patty. Tati. I don't know. Am I saying it wrong?
0: That's it. Yes, was the same. So uh, okay,
2: did you, did you like the movie? I missed the part. Did you like it or not?
0: Not really. I, I mean, I like, I, I, yeah, not really, because I, I, I appreciate its strengths or what it's trying to do, and yeah. I, I really like a lot of it, but I think the whole thing kind of fell apart at the end for me, well, and the lack of, you know, scares. I, I just
2: think your parents waste the time. That's all. I'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> uh, I couldn't listen to that. I have a shitty connection here.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I guess that's, I, th- I think we could put the, close the book on old uh, Last Exorcism. I think, I think... Uh, I will call
0: can, can I actually say one more thing that I agree yeah. with uh, that Patrick Ripple said on the boards Sure, the do it. On the thread that he said that the characters, and I agree with this, but the characters in the story is are strong enough that he didn't see the reason why it was a found footage film or shot in that way, like Blair Witch. I mean, and I agree. I think it would have been better to shoot it, you know, in a regular way as a, as a, as a, as a regular movie. I think it would have been actually better for the movie.
1: I, I agree. agree but cheaper, here, it's cheaper.
2: Yeah. yeah cheaper I, well I, that
1: way, right? I don't think the film would have gotten. I think, I think that one of the, the reasons the film got made in general was because it was done in that style. It's but, yeah, but, Dude, yeah, the genre is
2: popular. The genre is popular right now. I mean, they, those movies make money. That's why they did it, you know. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it. Did they ever say, by the way, at the beginning, this is found footage? Did they ever say
1: that kind of stuff? No, no, there's nothing about that. That's, no, that's, no, that's no, that's no. a huge flaw in the film, actually.
0: Is yeah, we don't know? they just go, they just start with, with, with the documentary stuff. Like, they are shooting the documentary about this guy, but got him. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I don't know. I mean, I I, I, I like that slide. You know, I'm I think it's a I think it's a lot of fun that film. I think it's a good film. But I definitely like that slide. People have problems I with that I do not.
1: I don't really find it fun. I didn't I didn't laugh my asshole off when I was watching.
2: You did laugh quite a bit when we saw it after that. because we were TV cracking
1: TV. jokes. Look at,
2: look at this guy. Yeah, but you <laughs> oh. liked the film though. You did like the film.
1: I did. I did. I'm I, 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 I yeah. did. I mean, it's, it's a fun flick. It's good shit. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you off into the, into the nethers, Mr., uh, Mr. Santiago. I appreciate you calling in, and, and as always, uh, your voice makes me hard. My
0: yeah, pleasure. You. So here's thank just you. one last baby demon to all the people listening that are saying that when I say baby demon, they get wet.
1: Uh, I'm not going to argue it. It sounds very nice. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> he, he did, yeah, on the chat room, they were loving his, pronu- his pronunciation of baby demon. Or are they? <laughs> Baby Dimon. Baby Dimon.
2: See, it sounds very elegant. Like it sounds like an elegant gentleman, you
1: know. Baby Dimon. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like somebody who might own a bar in Louisiana. Come to <laughs> Baby Dimon. Is actually. uh? Hey, is Baby Dimon coming over tonight? I hope
2: so. It gets
1: stuff. Man, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal the spoiler to that. Hey, um. Two, a couple of quick important notes, Mr. Waddell. Yeah. This coming Monday, as in a week from yesterday, we got a screening we we need to do. Okay. We, it's it's early though. Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> no, I don't know when Scott Pilgrim's coming out, but hope it does well when it does. Um, uh, no, we got the town.
3: No, I'm excited. That's
1: right. You need to My be favorite,
2: here. Ben, ben Affleck's in that.
1: Oh, my God, you pronounced his name right.
2: Ben Affleck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I read, a, I read a, 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 a really, really in-depth interview in Entertainment Weekly uh, <laughs> about, about the, that movie. But I'm yeah. excited about it. looks great. And uh, then what else? Do you see uh, that? What's other thing?
1: Well, that's the, what's one thing, and then the next day after that, Halo comes out. Oh,
2: that's right, yeah. What's the, what's the date? What's the date?
1: The, 14th.
2: That, uh, 14th. The, the 14th with
1: Halo? Yes.
2: Oh, I thought it was like
1: the 17th. No. Awesome. I, well, let me double check, but I'm pretty sure it's the 14th. Don't hurt my feelings, because I think Steve's already taken that day off. Did I? Oh, maybe. Don't make me cry into the woods. Halo, reach. Like, nope. it's not the
2: cross- 14th. The 14th, oh, cool. my man. Do you know if they're doing a cross? Uh, campaign with the toothbrush, the breach toothbrush?
1: No, I don't know.
2: That'd be so good.
1: Do they still make that?
2: Breach? Of course. They're huge in the toothbrush industry I believe.
1: Is it uh, is it? Is it um, is it for people with short arms?
2: I think what happened with that was they finally answered the call, a lot of toothbrushes weren't getting to all the teeth.
1: And so oh, I think you meant like I thought you meant like a guy's arm, like he could just get it to his jawline, and then he couldn't brush. So, he, so you'd have a bunch of people with extremely scrubbed jaws. Yeah. So they made that little bit longer toothbrush, and now they can brush their teeth.
2: Their genius geniuses. the Reese toothbrush. Gets all the teeth. Kind of got the slogan, right?
1: Gets all the tits? We so got all I'm, the teeth. I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff lately, some interesting uh some interesting, uh, some t- some TV stuff and some movies lately. Some stuff that I'm All not right. really supposed to talk about, but I don't care. Lay it on me. I saw Wall Street. I'm sorry, with you? Uh, I'm, just, uh, I'm we ha- we, Justin, we have an audience. I'm trying to, which I'm trying to talk to the audience and you. Oh, okay, my fault. Go ahead. Okay. God damn professionals. Um, Go ahead. I finally watched um, Survival of the Dead, which I'll be reviewing this week. And I'm five episodes into Terriers, and Ryan Johnson directed the fifth one, which is kind of cool.
2: Oh, did he? Yeah, he, he directed a good episode of Breaking Bad la, last
1: season. He directed an episode of Breaking Bad. Let's not he directed, call it. I think it was directed, the best of the season. He directed a very art, a, a good standalone episode that completely fought the 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 rest of the season's style and narrative. On its own, yes, but in, in, when watching it as a season, it's it's a jarring uh, it's a jarring episode. It's a brilliant episode. It's very good, but it, it it's 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 one thing to be it's like it's like a, hey look at me hey look at me and the whole show is about not that. Come, in terms in terms of the filmmaking.
2: Oh, that episode came they came it came about cause of budgetary reasons. They had to do it. I think they had to kind of the, the AMC kind of demand and they do sometimes channel to us, so they demand a, I can't remember what they call it, but a show that has, like, one setting, basically. And uh, and, that, they wrote that and they wrote they wrote an excellent episode. I thought it was probably the best one of the season, in my opinion. I know it's a divisive episode, but I love it. Well, definitely uh, has the best Brian Cranston moments
1: of the season, I believe. Which one would that be? The, the speech?
2: Oh, man. That is perfect. So good. It's,
1: it's very good.
2: Um, but, yeah, so what do you think of terrorists so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Actually, the more I watch it, the more I like it. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, at first that's, it, to me the fact the pilot felt like Fletch, a little bit. Yeah. And then the second episode felt more like Felch. No, uh, no, it get, it get, you know he in the interview today he compared it to Rockford Files and I don't really necessarily feel that, but it's a good show and it's made completely by the two lead actors. Um, yeah. The, and, and you know who directed in, in the first in the first season. John Dahl directed an episode. Ryan oh, Dahl. wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Craig Brewer directed an episode and Clark Johnson. And then um, Tim Minear and some other people that are known for TV. Guy Furland and stuff like that. So it's like a really, I mean, it, it is almost kind of like um, 13 little indie movies, sort of. It's, it's kind of cool. And, and Donald Logue is really good. And the guy who plays his partner, Michael Raymond James, is awesome.
2: He was in True Blood.
1: I heard. I heard. He was, no, he was
2: kind of the baddie of the first season. He didn't. He didn't get to do a ton on that show, but I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him uh, outside of that show for sure. Yeah, they're currently friends in real life, those two
1: guys. They are now. Like they. Yeah. They. they yeah. They. Oh, actually, they weren't before. Uh, well, they they were friends because they had connected over a book apparently on, on a previous project, but they they bonded supremely on this. I've got another caller in. I'm going to bring this person in. I don't know who it is, so let's see. Person from the 201. Who is this?
4: Yeah, TJ.
1: Um. Who is this? TJ, TJ. Hello. Hey, T J. How you doing?
4: I called back. I called back a, a time in the morning, show, like a couple ones. Of, I forget which. One, it was like a while back. I think. We talked like okay. a while back. I forget when it was. The last time we did one of these I'm not sure.
1: Well, welcome back. Where? Where? What part of the world are you calling from?
4: Um, I'm calling from Jersey, actually, like right near Jersey City. It's like Red Cross from New York. Excellent. Yeah.
1: That's excellent. Well, what, what would you like to talk about?
4: Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about how shitty this summer has been for movies, especially, like, the, particularly the ones I've seen. The ones that I saw in the theater was uh, Predators and uh, Expendables. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were pretty fucking awful. Like, <laughs> I, I, I it was like a whole, like, they're trying to, like, have a resurgence of uh, 80s movies, like trying to do, like, the style of 1980s. And it's just like it's just they just did a shitty job of it. It was just really bad. Like I was really, Predators was something that I was definitely looking forward to, and it, it was just not very good at all. Like uh, I just I just felt that um, the whole movie just felt like pointless. The same thing with Expendables actually which was kind of funny because I think like the problem that both movies had is that they they, they both just felt really pointless and aimless. I, I, just, I don't know what your feelings on it were, but I just didn't. Just, I just didn't like both of them.
1: Uh, I, the, my expectations were kind of moderate. Uh, I mean, Predators, I, I didn't expect anything from, and right. I found little things to like about it, but as the farther I get away from it, the less I care. And Expendables, Expendables is a similar situation. It's like uh, it was it was fine but you know if I was 13 years old it might have changed my life but it doesn't do much for me now but the rest of the summer you're right it's been it's been a terrible summer
4: the only thing I don't get is it's more It more had to do with with like people on the internet I guess than, than it really has to do with the news but I just the one thing I don't understand and you see it all the time because I'm sure you doing the a lot it, it seems like there's really like kind of like a, a big hypocrisy going on with a lot of people because, like, when you see something like Predators or Expendables, you see these people that are, like, they love it, they're like, oh, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen, By blah, 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 it's so over the top and this and that, and then you get something like, uh, well, Machete, too, like, Machete or something like that, they're all movies that try to be over the top and stuff like that, but then <clears throat> you see, like, something like uh, Resident Evil that coming out. All right, now, it looks completely ridiculous, looks dumb, looks over the top, but... People just scoff at that, but at the same time, they have something like Expendables or, get Machete or Predators, which is pretty much the same thing, and people just, you know, eat it up, and it's, it's, everything's fine. I don't I don't get the, the like, how the, it, it goes. It doesn't go both ways, actually. It seems like definitely... one movie, it seems seem to me like one movie is a lot lap- to be over the top and stupid, and another one isn't, when clearly the movie, like, The Resident Resident Evil movies, they're not good movies, don't get me wrong. I like, I'm, I'm, you know, I enjoyed the first one and the third one. The second one was fucking awful. Don't get me wrong. But they're clearly movies that were were made to be over the top. They're clearly movies that were, they're, they're trashy, popcorn movies. And that's what they were meant to be. And people don't seem to get that. But when it comes to certain other movies, it's just like they get a free pass. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I think the Expendables more than Predators is, is part of part of the appeal of that is it's kind of rewarding people for for support like for their support and for for patronage and and, and it's not necessarily right, but uh, I think I think you know the, the Expendables is an underdog regardless of the budget because of who's who's in it and all that and I think they, they do coast a little bit on that and from what I understand. Um, the the project could have been a lot different, but but all of the actors wanted to get paid their, their real salaries, and a lot of that money didn't wind up on screen. But, it, you know, I I don't know which is worse. I, I mean, I certainly have no love for any of the Resident Evil movies, and I think that, um, but, but there's a reason that there's another one being made. You know, they're successful, right. and there's an audience for it, and maybe I'm not cut from the same cloth, but the bottom line is, is, Regardless of what gets you in the door, and in the case of Machete and uh, and, and Predators and, and and Expendables, some of it's nostalgia that got it into the door. Right. Well, yeah, but once you get in, you have to deliver, or else it's just a waste of time, and you're and you're and you're and you're hurting the chances of other films getting their day in the sun.
4: Yeah. that's the one thing I would bring up because I'm actually I know a lot of people when they going to like look down on me like at the film, like I'm a real big film fan, a lot of people that I talk to that are big film buffs like me, they always like kind of make fun of me with fact, but I'm, I'm kind of a fan of uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. I like his stuff, I, I don't, I think he's a shitty writer, but in terms of like as, as a director and some of his like films, I'm actually kind of a fan of his, and uh, that's like one of the reasons like, like like something like Resident Evil or something like that, there's, there's clearly movies that are meant to be trashy over the top, they're not meant to be taken seriously, even though they would like you to believe though, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing like what John Carpenter used to do, it. He, he had these movies that were completely ridiculous, I mean, you look at it on paper, you're like, well, this movie seems fucking retarded, doesn't it? But then, when you see it done, like, when I mean, don't get me wrong, i not comparing Paul Levy and John Carpenter, let me stop right there, so, don't even think right. not, so I'm you, that I'm saying. Are you trying to say, basically, like, you got a Paul
2: W. Sanderson here, who he does make those kind of movies, and he kind of makes those kind of movies a lot of times. It seems, that's his that's his style. Like he kind of
1: has his heart on his sleeve in some some, some respect. Yeah. I, I think a good comparison kind of. is Neil Marshall. Yeah. I, I look at Neil Marshall and Paul Anderson as kind of different sides of a coin, and 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 they both obviously do a lot, pay a lot of respects to, to sure. guys like Carpenter and all that. I just think yeah. Anderson's Anderson's got the sizzle, and he's got his 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 head's in the right place. I don't think he's like he's not Uwe Boll, and he's not like a Okay. Yeah, I think that, that's another
4: thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just think that's, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. I just think that it's ridiculous that people say that this guy is as bad as Uber Bull or Albert Pion. I don't know how the fuck to pronounce that guy's name. Albert <laughs> Pion or whatever the hell his name is. I mean, I, I don't understand how anybody that has legitimate knowledge in film can look, I mean, I can understand in terms of script writing. Don't get me wrong. He's not a good writer. I'm not going to get, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as a director... Definitely not I mean, a good writer. I, no, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. He has he, he has good ideas. He has a lot of good ideas. I agree, yeah, with, you. I agree with you. No it, I agree with you, I agree with
2: you. I agree with yeah,
4: you. I agree, I, I you. just I think answer. that I just think it's ridiculous that some people like put him on that same level as though like people like that. He's not a great filmmaker. I wouldn't consider any of his movies as legitimately great movies. But I think that there's a, there's there's like there's a sense of like. Like this, is enthusiasm behind these movies. That a lot of movies that I don't see. That a lot of popular movies is is, is genuine. Like they're trashy, they're stupid. But you know what? They ride with it. You take it. Serious. Like that's the one thing that I hate. Like when you have a movie and you want to have a sense of humor about it. But a lot of times with these movies, like sci-fi movies or horror movies, they're very overt with the humor. It's just pe- pretty much poking fun at themselves while it's going on. And I think, to me, that that seems kind of stupid because it it doesn't seem the best thing to go because if you're poking fun at the movie, why should I even care about it in general? You understand what I'm saying? Why should I care about the story if the movie's making fun of itself? So I think the best thing to do is to take it seriously no matter how ridiculous it is. And the humor comes organically. So, like, you know it's retarded, like some guy's, like, jumping off a fucking building with a rope behind him and he's shooting zombies or whatever the hell while he's falling down. It's a completely ridiculous thing, but if you take it seriously, I mean, that's where the humor comes from, is from that. If you go poke and fun at it itself while it's... You understand what I'm saying? Like, if it, if the humor's too overt, then it kind of ruins the rest of the movie to me. And that's, yeah. that's I, what think I think... think okay. No, no, I, I, I was listening
1: to you. Sorry. No, I was just... I, I, think, I think the difference between a Paul Anderson and, like, a Roland Emmerich is, is that Emmerich collaborates a lot more I mean I I look at I think and I'm not saying he makes better films he just makes he's more successful and then you look at somebody like um uh Luc Besson I mean there's another guy who who has all the skill all the chops but his head sometimes costs him yeah Yeah. and 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 I and I keep I I keep you know when Paul Anderson's doing something that's not a Resident Evil movie I'm still I'm still interested because Event Horizon I have a lot of I still like Event Horizon and I still appreciate a good shooter. And I think sure. that, um, you know, so, but, it, you know, Resident Evil, it, the, you know, what... No,
4: two, 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 Apocalypse is a fucking horrendous movie. But I think that one and three, you know, the, the very flawed movies, obviously. I mean, you can't watch them if you don't think that you think, like, you know what I'm saying. They're, they're flawed movies, but I think that more so had to do with the rating rather than, you know everything else in people of the acting, the directing. I think that everything else in terms of that, they're, they're solid, they're well-made movies. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing about like his movies. Is they're really well-made, and that's why like people say, "All oh, this guy's he's a he's a, the one of the worst filmmakers ever. He's one of the worst genre filmmakers ever." And I I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I mean, if you look at like some of the budgets this guy's gotten to make movies, and you, you compare it to like people getting hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, AVP, I think. I know somebody like, that did some work in, in like, Hollywood, whatever. I think there was, the budget was, like, $45 million on that movie. And it looks like it costs a lot more than that. Yeah. And then you get people that are just, like, like, one of the worst movies to me that I've seen, like, big big Hollywood movies, to me, is, like, Spider-Man 3. I think Spider-Man 3 this was an awful movie. Maybe I'm I'm not, I was missing the point on it. But the thing that really pissed me off about it is that they put so much money into that movie. And it and it looks like it looks cheap. The special effects are awful. I just thought, you know, the, you get these movies that, that waste so much money on on just bullshit. There's terrible terrible action sequences. It's just just all around is like just just bad movies. All right. Yeah. And then you get somebody that that works in like a budget like 30, 40 million and, and get something like that, to me, that that takes talent. I would say yeah. that, that somebody that can make something out of that much money, and make it look like that, that, that would take some talent. Would, would you yeah. agree or disagree?
1: All right, my man. Well, I'm going to blaze through some call. I appreciate you calling in. Yeah, very, um, very much, man. Uh, you're, you're awesome. Thanks so much, buddy. All right. Thanks. I got somebody from the 630. Who's this? Hey, Nick. This is uh, Patrick uh, Rappel. Hey man, how's it going? Good. So the all, uh, the all, one of the all-time greats.
3: Oh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, I was listening to you talk about um, terriers and uh, Breaking Bad. I'm excited to see terriers. I haven't haven't caught Breaking Bad yet.
1: Are you serious? Um, wow, it might, no, change, that might change your day.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about it, and uh, I, I same thing with Mad Men. I got caught up like on season right before season three, so I might wait. For the next season to start, and then I'll catch up on DVD. But uh, cool. I was wondering if you guys have seen uh, Louie yet? If you guys are
1: fans of, yeah. Let me actually say, there's uh, we have two callers on hold. I've got 12 minutes. I'm going to get to both of you, so please hang on. All and right. for Louie I is the best the best comedy on television right now, and I, uh, we've actually. Oh my God, I, yeah. I, I ran re- an interview with him right before it came out, and FX is my favorite network, and they've been really good about getting us episodes and stuff like that and early. So um, the yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know, but, like, we're huge fans of his stand-up. And uh, gone, I've seen him live several, several times. And, and, when oh, that it's cho- that, and you know what's funny is the fact that the guy is given $250,000 by a network to make an episode and is left to his own devices and he delivers them a finished edited project product without having to answer any questions and, you know, he self-polices himself... And they let him do that, and, and the result is what we get to see. Is it, first of all that that alone? That alone is an achievement, and it could be it could have been a dog shit show. And just the fact that that was able to happen is amazing. But then I mean, you see what a guy like he is capable of doing, and the buttons he pushes, and the kind of jokes he tells. It's it's it, it really it feels like it's the seventies.
3: Yeah, it's a, and it's and it's he you know it's it's a rare television show. I mean, he directs it, edits it, you know. Uh, he writes. It's like it's very. It's it's so personal. It's great.
1: Yeah, and, and Ian Stasikevich, one of uh, one of uh, Chud's Chud's favorite sons, and he does a column for us. He's one of the, he works on that show. So it's, oh, really? It's, it's, yeah, it's good to see his name. I don't remember exactly what his role is in that. He's a cinematographer and he, and he writes for American Cinematographer, but I don't think he's doing that on that show. But it's just great. You know, it's it's so su- it's such a New York show, and it and, and 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 you see some of those people in the show like David Pastor Kelly who. Uh, all these New York actors, Tom Noonan, who, who don't get a lot of work, uh, nearly what they deserve at least, and seeing them pop up in little roles in that show. What's your what's your favorite joke in, uh, that you've seen so far?
3: Um, I the I, I really like the um, I really like the uh, I, I like when he goes a little like uh, more social, like the Indian giving and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I, it, I um, my favorite episodes though. Are actually the the ones that are go a little, they're, they're go away from the humor and they're more uh, like the last episode with Tom Noonan, which uh, which.
1: Episode, uh, yeah. I
3: episode, yeah. I mean, being raised in a you know a very strict Catholic household and then uh, having to actually listen to a guy do the uh, passion play and all the detailed you know gruesome killings and stuff, it's it it was it was really something.
1: Uh, yeah, that yeah that episode is one of the is one of the it's, I mean it's definitely I don't think obviously I I, I watched the show to laugh my ass off and, and that show didn't deliver on that respect but as far as like an an, an interesting thoughtful and, and and kind of sort of a game changing episode for that series it really I mean like if Louis is gonna balance you know if he's gonna do 13 episodes or 12 episodes or whatever and balance like the straight crazy joke type ones with one or two episodes a season like that I think we're, we're the better for it I'm going to bring another person on in addition to you so we can kind of wrap back and forth somebody from the 908 area code who do we got
2: uh, this is Mike Fun this is the guy who saw Robocop when he was five <laughs> is, that,
1: is, that, is that what that what's going to say in your tombstone or
3: uh, no no uh, I called in when you were talking about Craig Lawson.
1: <laughs> right right well, how, can, how can I forget Craig Wasson
2: Oh, how, how could you? I mean, body double, come on.
1: Yeah, what else, uh, so what's up? What, what can we do? What could
2: we do? Uh, I kind of, um, I just got off to school, and uh, my roommate looks exactly like me, and he talks like him. Like, he's the dead ringer for Christopher Berman's classy, and he couldn't get through Roadhouse, and I'm really
1: pissed off. Well, I mean, the, the plot is difficult to follow.
2: It, it, it is kind of a wacky <laughs> plot. I mean, almost the whole thing is a uh, bar fight, or at least a third of it is a bar site.
1: I mean, hell, I mean, just my <laughs> Jeff Healy fandom got me through the first two acts. Jeff <laughs> <laughs> Healy fandom, great. Yeah, I'm, like,
2: watching this. I'm, like, like pointing out all sorts of stuff, like how wacky it is. and it's just, it's just a great movie. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, Danny Glover's sweating problem in Predator Two. Your opinion?
1: Well, I think first of all, Ruben Blades was throwing him hot tamales off scene, so he was <laughs> he was snapping them up. It led to him having a lisp in the movie Shooter. Uh, but but the whole movie, everybody, it's it's a sweaty movie. It's like they're like they're wearing like. You know, linens, and they're the, out in, like, in the sun, burning their ass off, and there's, you know... That's part of the
3: naked. plot, isn't it, that it's like the hottest summer they've had? It's, you know, it's supposed to be like yeah. a metaphor for how bad the, uh, you know, crime is and everything.
1: Yeah. yeah. But it's a very subtle um, metaphor, though.
3: Yeah. Also, have you discussed uh, Kim Coates being in
2: Resident Evil Afterlife?
1: I, I, I mean, I've acknowledged that he's in it, but I don't love him enough to see the movie.
2: I was I was very happy to just see T.I.G. in the trailer.
1: Yeah, he's in, he's right. in this parallel, and and, and and he's on the poster. Like his name is on the poster. Yeah, and, 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 that, and that's terrific. And I'm so proud that Mrs. Coates is going to get what she needs. But it's still, it's it's still not enough. I mean, he was in the island too, but it doesn't make the movie, you know, worth seeing.
2: Oh, he was in the last Boy Scout. don't forgot.
1: He certainly was. And but, and but the he, thing is, we we get to see his ass this season on, on Sons of Anarchy, which, I mean. Uh-huh. What more do we need? I mean, fuck Resident Evil. We, we get to see Kim Coates' ass on yeah, regular that's, TV.
2: That's a know, bigger right. deal than seeing John Lithgow's ass on Showtime, I can tell you that.
1: I, I, yeah, I can't unsee that, and it's it's a horrible time. But, yeah. Uh, th- th- have, you, have you had a chance to watch Louie yet?
2: I have not, actually. Uh, I hear nothing but good things, but uh, I heard in the B-action threat Tom Noonan was on it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I brought I brought Steve Murphy on. I know that we've only got, like, half, uh, not too much left on the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring everybody on. Yeah. Right, from, the, from the 850, who's here?
2: Hey, what's up? It's Andrew again. I had a quick thing.
1: Okay, tell us about your quick thing.
2: All right. Talking to you earlier, but totally forgot to talk about Danny Trejo. Fucking <laughs> thick and machete. Badass.
1: Well, actually, he's stiff and thick and Mexican.
2: And
1: he can't text, or he doesn't text. Right. It's I've so also got cool somebody... Text. I'm going to bring somebody in from the 979 also. We've got five human beings here. Who's this from the 979? No, really? 979 person, do you exist?
2: Hello? Yes, I do. 979.
1: Who is it? Who's, yes. the, who's not... It's Greg
2: Clark from the board.
1: Hey, what's up? G-Dude. The gentleman. Yes. Um, Okay, we got a lot of people, so what we're going to do is, first of all, I want Steve Murphy to tell us what he's having, what he's had for lunch today.
2: What so I had for lunch today? I had a, a nice tuna fish sandwich followed by a, an ice cream milkshake from Chick-fil-A.
1: And how did that work for you?
2: Glorious. Glorious. He- you know, I, I, I'm a big proponent of the Jamocha shake, as, which is well documented, but that ice cream milkshake from Chick-fil-A, that kicks
0: everybody's ass.
1: I, I too, had Chick-fil-A today. And I'm wondering um, why, first of all. And I'm also wondering if if they have considered, uh, like, instead of having a kid's meal, having an adult's meal, to where you get the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich and then two handles you can screw into your toilet for when it flies out.
0: <laughs> Although no. Chick-fil-A doesn't give you the, uh,
2: the the belly bomb effect that, say, like White Castle or even like, something like Arby's will give you the business. They do have waffle fries.
1: They do that. Um,
2: Chick-fil-A, is, Chick-fil-A is great. You just have a very poor constitution.
1: I Hey, I eat Johnny's pizza, and it doesn't throw me out of the room like you.
2: Well, yeah, that's true. It sends me right to the round room.
1: <laughs> um, okay, I, I'm going to moderate since we've got so many humans. Um, I want to ask Greg, What I, I know you've been working on some little films and all that. What's cooking? What have you been working on?
2: Uh, well, I just uh, actually produced a film. Um, it was my first time as a producer which was weird because I was trying to figure out what it was I did um, hey well,
1: welcome to the club
2: yeah uh, basically it was actually a lot of it was figuring out how I was going to afford to feed everybody on this set um, but uh, but yeah that was that was a fun experience um, right now did uh, good
1: experience though all, all told
2: yeah it was it uh actually, we screened it not too long ago, and uh, got a pretty good response. Um, one of my friends was acting in it, and he was freaking out about his performance, but he got good reviews and everything. So that Excellent. that went out pretty good.
0: So yeah.
1: And, uh, but, and, and, yeah. and 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 no, I was gonna say, and are you gonna are you working on something now? Are you doing another one?
3: Uh, well right now I'm writing some
2: stuff. Uh, I'm actually trying to put together a crew real quick to, uh, submit something to Fantastic Fest. They're doing a, a bumper contest for, like, to play in between their films. And, uh, the theme is inappropriate. We have to come up with some sort of 15 to 30 second deal that is just completely inappropriate. Something that would make the human centipede look like, I don't know, Tippi Longstocking.
1: Tippy Longstocking hmm. well, is pretty inappropriate and still. Yep. Yeah. Just so people know, yeah. the show is going to stop streaming in two minutes, but I'm going to keep it going, and it will be available in the archive, just just as a note. Um, Hell well, I wish you all the best in terms of – are you still there, Greg? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I know we lost one of our people. I don't know who it was. Um, but... Um, I, I I wish you luck in that because uh, there's n- there's not a lot that uh, there's not a lot that one can do that hasn't been done and you know if it hasn't been done it's probably there's a reason you might invoke some ancient warlord or something.
2: Yeah, well we actually we actually brainstormed an idea last night, which I thought was going to be a winner, but then I woke up this morning and saw the trailer for Uwe Bowl's Auschwitz, and that just went right out the window.
1: Like, don't the, think funny the, funny thing is, the funny thing is, the funny is we have similar dreams. Except yours was goal oriented, and I just think like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there, is our destined gentleman still here? Yes, sir. The, what is up? So you you dug you dug uh, Danny Trejo.
2: You know, I dug the hell out of Danny Trejo in that movie. I thought it was uh, really cool. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Champion, but that cat has an insane story. And the fact that he's headlining a film like Machete is just sick.
1: Right. No, I, I love him. The, the, only, the only complaint I did have was, and it wasn't necessarily his fault, is some of the choreography for him. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's not a spring chicken, and he's a thick right. guy. And, 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 and I would have liked to have seen his badassery take a little bit more shape in a way that felt convincing, but I, it might have defied some of the purpose of the movie, so I can't really fault that. Um, I've got, uh, are you the, okay, I've got, um, who's in the 979? Who is that? That's me, Greg. Okay, I'm, all right, we're, let's carry this out. I got the two of you guys. We've got 40 seconds left. Let's uh, Best movie of the year so far, Greg? Uh,
2: right now, for me, I'm going to say Inception. And,
1: and is, there is. That, is there anything that's a close runner-up to it?
2: Uh, let's see. Scott Pilgrim, of course, was pretty awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of what exactly I've seen this year. Because um, like Iron Man 2 was awful. I didn't like that. Um, no, I mean, yeah. Uh,
1: there, there's nothing wrong with your nothing wrong with your answer. I'm just I was trying to think of something else. What about you, Andrew? Is there anything that stuck out for you this year?
3: I'm gonna say number one tie between Scott Pilgrim
2: versus the World and Inception, and Kay. coming up on it also Splice.
1: Interesting. Well folks, I appreciate uh, your calling and and I guess this is a testimony that sometimes mainstream films are, are the are, are great. Thank you so much, everybody. This is the demon Carl. I suck.